0: Welcome to We Are Already Free, a podcast helping down-to-earth seekers and free people to live their truth and be the change. If you're done with exhausting yourself, fighting against the world you don't want, if you're ready to spend this one precious life growing a beautiful world, this is for you. In this episode, have you ever felt that you kind of need to fix every negative thing you see in the world? You've got to go out there and save the world. this episode's a good one for you because amber magnolia hill is filled with the energy of softening the energy of doing what we can in the small ways in the little ways the things within our very relationships our families our food how we show up in the world this bio that i'm about to read is taken from amber's website and i highly recommend that you go and read it in full after listening to this episode. It's really a beautiful, beautiful example of meeting some of the challenges of being a human today with our ancestors and everything we've come through, everything we are. It's a beautiful bio. It's worth reading the full thing. And I mean, I recommend listening to the episode first, but then it's linked in the show notes at alreadyfree.me forward slash zero one three. Amber is a podcast host and maker of plant medicines for people who yearn for knowledge about herbalism, deepening ancestral connections, and remembering what it is to be human upon the earth. She helps folks to drop the cultural lies of disconnection and disempowerment and to remember the old ways that are in our bones. In this episode, she shares how she stays afloat without frying her brain while being a business owner, mother, homesteader, podcast host, wife, human, and so on. She also shares one of the surprisingly beautiful lessons from COVID. She talks about which types of food literally nourish, lubricate, and calm our nervous systems, and why cultivating a relationship with the earth is so important, maybe the most important thing. Near the end, she shares deep and precious insights for people who want to be more self-sufficient and head in the homesteader direction. As always, there is so much more in this episode, and I don't want to list it all out even though I'm so excited to share it with you, but you'll hear it as you go through. I'm your host, Nathan Maingard, and as a highly sensitive person in a very insensitive world, I was nearly crushed by the limiting mold our society just calls being a good citizen. As I practice embracing my own authenticity, I feel a deep desire to serve others like me to feel, heal, and grow using the transformational tools, practices, facilitation that I've learned along the way. Remember to leave a review or rating wherever you listen if you haven't already, and thank you if you are one of those who has. It means the world to me and brings me so much joy to read your beautiful, beautiful reviews. You can find all the info and links to Amber in the show notes at alreadyfree.me forward slash zero one three. I hope that you enjoy this conversation with Amber, who I have known for a really long time and I'm really grateful to have connected with in this life. I found her very inspiring and her podcast is amazing. And yeah, I definitely recommend you go and check her out, check her out after listening to this episode. And stick around to the end. I want to just share some really beautiful insights and tools that you can use because one of the challenges that I feel is it's great to hear this kind of a conversation or get this kind of inspiration that this podcast offers, and then what and then how how does your life change afterwards? Uh, I've often found that for myself in transformational experiences is that the integration is is more challenging, so I'm looking at ways that I can support you in that further, and if that's something that feels interesting to you where you want to kind of take some more action or embody more of this. Already free uh, energy, then yeah, stick around to the end, and I'm happy to share some with you. But for now, please enjoy what is a very lovely conversation that I deeply enjoyed with my friend Amber of Mythic Medicine. How do you manage being a mom, a business owner, a podcast host, a wife, a human, a homesteader, and and just generally living a good life? Like, how do you? What is it that you have in place, or how do you feel that you navigate that?
1: I have no idea. Um, <laughs> I, it's hard. It's, it's overwhelming. Um, I realized recently, cause okay, we're in the process of, we're about to move. So we just went through the home buying process, which is so much paperwork and like thought. And then at the same time, I've been moving my father into long-term care. He lives about five hours away and getting our ancestral home ready to cell. So three generations of my ancestors have lived in this house. My great grandmother designed it and had it built in 1951 in a little town called Shafter, California. And so those are both like monumental, right? And like heavy, there's a lot of weight, especially moving out the ancestral home and moving my dad into long-term care. He's a 30 year alcoholic. So he's too young to be in long-term care, but he's just ruined his body and his mind. Um, and and then on top of that, yeah, running my business, which is multifaceted, being a mom to sixteen-year-old and six-year-old girls. And then yeah, we have our acre here in our homestead. And I have felt so so burnt out. I, I realize that I'm an overperformer, which is really typical of older siblings. So I'm like, no, I got it, I'll do it all. Like no one else can do it as good as I can. So I will hold everything. I'll be tracking everything. I keep saying I feel like I have a thousand tabs open in my brain, which is true. Uh, but I don't know, Nate. I've been asking myself, like, how, how do I stay afloat in all this and not completely fry, fry my brain and be like a terrible person to the people around me? I think one answer is real food. Like I, I've been eating real food for at least fifteen years, and got all toxic products and foods out of my home and body care. Um, and like I really, I think about that all the time. You know, I could, I would be spinning out so much harder if I didn't have like animal fats in my diet for the last fifteen years, and I was vegan before that. Um, a solid marriage, like I think the. It, it makes such a difference, you know, who your partner is in life. It makes such a difference. and i've I've chosen wrong in the past. <laughs> but now Owen and I have been together for nine years because this is a question I ask myself, like, what, yeah, how how is this all? okay? How am I keeping this from crushing me? This i's my particular version of life's challenges, real food, a strong partnership, and just. I don't know. I just like focus on love. I see the love in my life. I see the love my children have for me and for the other people in our family. I maintain solid friendships with a lot of people. I'm still friends with tons of people I grew up with. And then there's my adult friends that I have now. (sighs) Real food and solid relationships. That's my answer.
0: (laughs) Kylie and I, my, my partner, were discussing this the other day. I have a tendency to focus on all the things I'm not doing right. It's like my natural, my my go-to sense is like, oh, I'm I'm messing all this that stuff up. Like, I don't do this well. I don't do that well. I don't make enough money. All the stories that I have. And then when I actually sit down and Kalia and I were talking about it, being like, wow, we use pretty much, I would say 100% natural products on our bodies. We eat pretty much 100% good food in our bodies. We drink good water we live in nature, we, we spend a lot of time barefoot. And I'm just like, why am I so hard on myself about that? And I realize that, that actually most of the world isn't doing that. And that's a really difficult realization sometimes.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I think that's common too with um, strivers, you know, like not everyone is trying to be better and be healthier and improve themselves and their lives. And I'm happy that I'm wired that way, but then it also does tend to make us, um, just see the lack and see what we haven't accomplished yet or how it could all be better. And so that's, that's been a major lesson for me actually in the last just few weeks is, especially as I'm moving out of two houses, ancestral house and current family house, um, just seeing where, where I accumulate objects, books specifically, but I'm also thinking about like all the online courses I sign up for that I never get around to reading or taking. And I'm like, what? I realize I'm always thinking that the next piece of information is going to be the one that changes everything. And then looking back and being like that hardly ever actually happened. I mean, okay, no, sure. Actually, there've been thousands of pieces of information that have made small changes in my life for the better. But um, like I'm just like, holy shit, as I'm assessing the accumulation of objects, and I'm going to include digital objects like online courses um, in this over four generations, me, my father, my grandparents, and my great-grandmother, and I just, yeah, I see how things accumulate because we think they're going to make our lives better, make us better. And I'm like, holy shit, like I... No, it's enough. It's enough just to be me and have the people I love around me. That's that's enough.
0: Wow. I feel like you've just spoken one of the like the deep wisdom truths of life that if any of we can get a handle on is that that sense of enough. I recently was thinking about the saying enough is enough, which is usually spoken as a frustrated thing, like enough is enough, you know, enough is enough. And I was thinking about, I was like, no, no, enough is enough. Like it really is, and and we're always saying, "Oh, that's more than enough." It's like I don't want more than enough. I just want enough.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and you know, I'm like, why do I feel so much more peaceful when I'm like at an Airbnb or something? It's like because there's not shit everywhere. Because it's just enough. You have the food to get you through the next few days. You have, you know, it's just (laughs) you just have enough. You have sufficiency, just what you need to get by, not extra, not thinking about the future and will it be enough? And I better make sure, better order two extras. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: I, I wonder if any of that is a sort of, you know, speaking about generations and ancestors and lineage and how much of that sense of almost desperation. I've noticed it in, in, okay, it's a very small thing, but if I say I'm going to make some food and Kylie says, no, I don't want any. And then I make, and then she wants a bite, literally a bite. I have a, a real visceral reaction to that and i wonder if there's like these these epigenetic sort of dna codings that's like at some point in our ancestry, there wasn't enough. And for me, as someone who's a Jewish lineage, that I know some of my ancestors had to flee Europe in the early 1900s from persecution. So like in my lineage, there's that sense of like, oh, we're not safe. We're not okay. We don't have enough. And so I know it feels like, oh, I just need to like think that it's enough, but also having some empathy for that part of ourselves that is still in that old story.
1: For sure. There's, you know, there's that study of Jewish grandchildren of people who had I don't I don't say they'd been in the Holocaust but been in Europe and in the countries where they were persecuted at the time who hadn't had enough access to food basically and the the grandchildren definitely showed epigenetic changes around around that I forget, gabor Monte talks about that exact study because his mother I think I think he was he was born in Hungary during that time
0: yeah I guess and, and I, what you' were saying as well around the retraining the system into like whole foods good quality fats good quality wholesome living is like such a a sal a self is that the word a, a sort of soothing way for that part
1: yeah definitely i mean because fats specifically are nourishing the nervous system and that that's what this is all about right is how activated we're getting or not how our neural pathways if they're uh, oiled basically with fat then it's, it's a better um, experience of living in a body
0: <laughs> yeah we all need to be well oiled I, I was chatting with Brian Sanders of food lies on the podcast his episodes actually coming out this this week uh, at the time of recording and uh, and he was saying how how everything we've been told about food is basically if you just believe the opposite you kind of getting it right which it's like the whole low fat movement and all that kind of stuff it's like no you need the fat
1: i know i yeah i follow him um i know i think about my mom and the poor women of the 80s and 90s who who had the low fat and non-fat thing just pushed on them and just then just bought all this processed food because it said non-fat or low fat on it and just tweaked out their nervous systems and their metabolism in the process
0: do you do you ever think do you have a sense i mean i know you probably do think about this but do you have a sense of like how do you envision the world in in like 50 years or or 100 years
1: he says no i'm i'm wildly curious really you know i I think about it all the time like that it just seems like obviously there's an infinite number of points at which things could go one way or another. And there's so many opinions on what will or should happen. Um, <laughs> I have no idea, but having children, you know, it, it just feels obviously so heavy. I, I don't know, like, you know, I, I can get really lost in dystopian fear, um, you know, I'm 42. I was born in 81. Things have changed a lot. There's no doubt that society and people and the way we hold ourselves together and regard one another has changed a lot. Um, and that can be very scary. And I'm just inherently, I guess, optimistic in that I really I believe that most people are very good at heart. I, I see that in my daily life, but you go on Twitter and you don't see that, which I have been doing lately. I've been going on Twitter, um, but in day-to-day life, I don't know. That's my experience. At least people are good and kind. And um, especially people who have, maybe not especially, but I don't know. I just believe in people. I really do. And I don't think that this these millions of years of evolution that have led to our species is going to devolve as quickly as it might seem like we are? I don't know. What do you think?
0: Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah I've been very much similar to what you're saying. I, my experience, direct experience of people is that there's, there's actually a beautiful story that I saw it came from an interesting source. There's a video on YouTube which I I will see if I can find and share in the show notes. But uh, a C an ex CIA agent, she talks about how she she dealt directly in um, sort of terrorist groups. Like that was those were the people she was interacting with, generally trying to de-escalate situations and and all the kind of stuff. And she talked about. The story she told was, you know, the story of the, the empire in, in Star Wars, where you've got the, this big, powerful, technologically advanced entity that is trying to crush. And then you've got the rebels who are like these little scrappy guerrilla fighters. And she said, basically, the terrorists or the so-called terrorists see themselves as the rebels and kind of the US or these big Western um, governments as the empire. And, and the basic thing that I got out of the story... Was everybody, everybody wants to be the hero of their story and believes that they are the hero and the good person in the story of their life. And that kind of was deeply humbling for me to realize, wow, no matter what someone's doing out there that I have a judgment about, I I really do feel and believe that they are doing their best to live a life that is sovereign and filled with love and connection and and a sense of belonging in the world. And it's a hard hard thing to realize sometimes when I see some of what is going on in the world, but I, I still believe it. And, I, and like you said, having hope, it, it, it makes a difference.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think the problem is when we collapse people, we, we allow ourselves to remove their humanity based on these like political ideals, you know, is it Jonathan Haidt has done a lot of really good work around this. Like he has an article out called, um, something like, yes, the last 10 years of American life have been incredibly stupid. It's not incredibly, but like the stupidity of the last 10 years of he's focusing on American life and he's looking at social media, you know, he's like, it, it is social media's fault (laughs) that we, um, that we treat each other the way we do now, that we have dehumanized entire groups of people. And it's a really, really good article. And he looks at the exact mechanisms on social media that allow that to happen and then how it can be fixed. And reading it really made me realize like, wow, if the big tech companies just changed, just tweaked a few things, which they're not going to do because they're making money from outrage um, and othering, it, it would actually be like a different world. <laughs> so it's so crazy to think how quickly things have changed. I mean, we met 10 years ago. I was thinking about this morning, it was 2012. And it was it was a different world. That's not that long ago.
0: That's so true. It has changed so rapidly. Well, so this is another question I'm I'm curious about is because you're obviously at times very active online. And then at times you kind of pull away from it and understandably and your opinions that you share are often very outside or alternative to what the mainstream accepts as the okay the true true this is what you're allowed to talk about and some of those examples that I can think of is related to things like whole food and also to birthing and to sort of gender ideologies and and I know I'm stepping into sort of what might be risky territory for a lot of people, but I've noticed myself othering at times. And I'm just curious, like how does it feel for you to be someone who shares those kind of perspectives, especially through the internet? And how do you, what is your intention and how do you hold whatever that intention is when things get messy?
1: Mm. Yeah, it's interesting even to hear you say that I pull away sometimes because I never think of it like that. Um, like right now I'm like, oh yeah, I guess I haven't been on Instagram in a couple of days. <laughs> it's like, I'm just busy. Um, and then, but but yeah, then there are times where I'm super active and posting a lot and sharing unpopular opinions. Um, for me, I have always felt a deep sense that truth is truth is truth is truth. And I am not willing to compromise that to fit in. Um, like there is objective reality. (laughs) It's just like, it's, it's insane that we live in a world that some, some people think that's not true. Um, and I think having children just makes me want to be, to fight so fiercely for the future that I want them to have, which has everything to do with being around, being surrounded by humans who value truth, um, I mean, it's so fucking crazy that I even have to like fight for truth and like explain why it's important to, you know, to, to care about what's true and care about reality. Um, but yeah, it's, it's interesting because, so I have my following and I've been blogging since 2008. So it's 14 years. And back then I was just like herbs, birth, mothering, vintage clothing, thrift stores. I was like very quaint, very quaint. Before the world changed. Um, And so I had a lot of people who were following me then and who have just stuck with me over the years and knew that I was trustworthy and a critical thinker and a compassionate, empathetic person who loves other people and does not want anyone to be hurt. And so when I started expressing opinions about mandatory injections and not being vegan. <laughs> um, and, and other things like that, they, they were willing to listen. You know, They were willing to listen because they already knew me to be a nuanced person, capable of holding nuance, capable of taking in all the information and finding what is true in it. And so even though I have shared things that go against the mainstream for years and years now, there's never been a major backlash for me because my audience trusts me and is willing to listen. And I've had so many, so many people write me and be like, I thought you were crazy when you first started posting about this. I unfollowed you. I was so mad, you know? And then however long later I saw it for myself and I realized you were right. And I came back to tell you, thank you for planting that seed or whatever. Um, but, and it is hard for me when people are mad at me. (laughs) And attack me, you know, like I, I will really never get used to it. I'm, I just, I will never have that hard of a shell, even though I have gotten way more used to it over the years. Like I used to just cry, you know, and be like, how could anyone be so mean? Um, but it still bothers me. Like someone left just a horrific podcast review for me back in the spring, lying about me just straight up making shit up. And it was really hateful, you know, reading it and you're like, what is going on in this person's heart and head? We don't even know each other. And she hates me this much. And she, she hates me enough that she spent a long time writing this very long podcast review and making shit up about me. That's so bizarre. That will never, I will never just be able to like brush that off. You know, that disturbs me. Um, and not just cause it's me, but like that anyone would feel that way about anyone they don't know. And it just, it's scary how spun out people can get. but what I learned and I bet you did too. I know a lot of us did through COVID is that, yeah, I lost people. Um, and not just followers, but you know, I live in a small town and I've been here for 16 years. So I had plenty of friendships that were were just based on geography and liking each other and our lives overlapping. And then COVID comes along and things get really, really politicized. And plenty of women who I really cared about decided that I was a really bad person and, um, you know, cut me off. And, but there's that. And then there's all the new connections I did make from people who I admire so much. And I'm so happy that, that we found each other. And so to me, to me, like that's the win, you know, uh, the older I get, the more I realize I'm, I'm not for everyone. Not everyone's for me. Um, it's good. It's I say every unfollow is a blessing. <laughs> you know, And that could be true in real life too. Every unfriending is a blessing. It, it frees you up for what's right for you and what's next, what, what's aligned.
0: So you said something a moment ago around nuance. And I, I feel like if there is a superpower for modern times, it is having the capacity to hold nuance and to be willing to Uh, meet nuance and then the other thing which you were also speaking to is this feeling of of making someone or at least putting someone into the position of being identifying them with the opinions that they have so for example if someone has an opinion different to me and then I'm like you're a terrible person and you deserve all these horrible things to happen to you because we disagree about this thing and I I mean one of the examples is during COVID during the lockdowns, et cetera, where people would literally say things like that, where it's like, well, you're, you're killing people, you're killing grandmothers, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm like, I understand that you think that because I hold these opinions that differ to you, that that's causing potentially causing the deaths of people. Can you understand that I believe the same thing about you and I'm also able to meet you with love and acknowledge that we have different opinions. I believe that you taking all these me- medicines that are being put on you, or locking yourself inside your house and not breathing fresh air—like I believe those things are incredibly harmful, and you're actually doing yourself and others harm by doing that. And here I still am, like I'm still available for us to be connected. But it's 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 the story that if you disagree, I have to destroy you because I c- it is not okay it's something very strange and i don't think it's always been that way but anyway it is what it is
1: no it hasn't always been that way and that that's what that article is about the the last 10 years of american life have been uniquely stupid i think it was called it it's literally how, how the social media ecosystem that we've created is making that exact thing happen it's it's the loss of nuance it's to, it's the loss of nuance it's the collapsing of extremely gray subjects into black or white. Um, It's just, it's so crazy. Do you spend any time on Twitter?
0: (laughs) It's funny that you mentioned Twitter because I, so, so a bit of a story about Twitter. So many years ago now, when I was just starting out as a professional musician, and this is now 2011, and I was barely just Committing to it in South Africa, I was starting to play professional shows, and I don't know how this guy found me, but this beautiful man uh, started following me on Twitter when I had like 300 followers, and he just responded to every newsletter I sent out. He was always kind. He always had really insightful reflections, and so eventually I, I clicked through his link in his email signature, and he had over a million followers on Twitter. And I said, "Like, who are you, man? Like, this is. Thank you so much for all the for all your insights and reflections, but who are you?" And he said, "Well." Actually, I run a service where I help creators and people to get more followers on Twitter through this technique called follow unfollow and and you know if you want, I can offer you that service just for free because I really love what you 're doing and I just want to help you and he was he was absolutely sincere and I, I and he's like, just try it out for a few weeks if you want and see how it goes and I started doing it and so within a few weeks, I was up to like a few thousand followers and and the main response from people was, wow, thank you so much for following me. I would never would have found your music. Otherwise I'm so happy, etc." cetera. And I was like, okay, this seems really positive. So I did that for quite a while and ended up with geez, around almost a million followers on Twitter. Um, I
1: remember and, that now that you say that. Right, right. <laughs> That's crazy. And,
0: <laughs> that is crazy. <laughs> so, so what's interesting about that is that and there was a very active community at one time i was live streaming a lot it was really like a thing but there was always a little piece of it that felt a bit strange to me and i was kind of like and then i and then i kind of crashed and burned full burnout a few years ago like complete and just dropped everything and and i kind of left twitter since then but recently what i did was i actually unfollowed everyone on twitter through a, anyway a long process and and started engaging a bit more. i was like i want to engage more authentically and i'm actually going to write a post at some point saying if you follow me on Twitter, this is why and or this is how it all happened. And I apologize if you were misled. But like, let's start here. Let's start where we are. I'm not doing that anymore. I haven't done it for years. And I, I don't think it's the best way to kind of connect with people. It's a bit yeah, misleading anyway. But now recently, I've started just reengaging with Twitter and using it a bit more. And every time I share something, even slightly off from the main path, I just get a hail of rage and outrage and blocking and and hate speech. So, or hate speech. I don't even like that term. I don't believe in that term actually. But, uh, but just like people just go nuts on it. So, so that is my current experience of Twitter. Is it's like wow, it's so angry here.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to say. Is I've I've had an account for like ten years, but I just never used it and. I think it was last year during the wildfire season, I I started using it and keeping up with folks tracking the fires. The fire was creeping towards my hometown of South Lake Tahoe and I wanted to understand what was going on. And so started doing that again this summer and then just stayed there. And now I'm like on Twitter multiple times a day. I totally understand now why people say it's so addictive. But I have been, even though I've heard this, so surprised by just... Yeah. Like you said, like anything, anyone posts on Twitter, it's a shitstorm in the replies. And are there people who are like, you are so brave and wh- thank you so much for sharing your story. It's, and then there's people who are just so mean and crazy. And I'm just like, whoa, this, this is what people are talking about when they talk about, that how hateful social media has gotten. Cause that's not my experience at all on Instagram. You know, it's, that's just not what happens when I post something. People are nice and compassionate and nuanced. And even if they disagree, they usually hold it for me on Instagram, at least in a respectful way. So yeah, I've kind of had my mind blown, but then again, I'm learning a lot too. You know, I really, like I, the people I am resonating with on there, I'm grateful for, for their bravery for their bravery. really That's how I view people who are willing to keep sharing like that day in and day out, despite the attacks. Cause yeah, I, you know, I crawl into my cave sometimes and like, okay, done sharing about anything controversial for a while. Cause it's too hard.
0: Yeah. I see. I've had exactly the same thought with some of the people I follow. Cause that was part of my reasons for coming back into it was like, I feel like I have positive, insights to share whether people agree or not are things that i care about and i see people doing it on twitter and doing it well and i just didn't realize and like you said if i click onto someone's tweet that as, as you say well actually just anything within three comments it is exactly what you it's a shitstorm. it's just chaos and i tried a few times i've actually un like i've deleted so many tweets because i tweet and then the next time i open up it's just people being like just saying the meanest things. I'm like, oh, this is horrible. I don't like creating polarity. That's not the intention. Is so, and I don't yet know how to navigate that gracefully.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's good. We're taking care of our nervous systems. You know, I something that I sort of realized throughout COVID, especially at the beginning, when I'm like, oh my god, this is so wrong. This is not the world I want my children to live in. Um, I kind of educate people. You know, <laughs> yeah. It's I eventually re- like it is actually not my job to save. It's. I can't. It is my job to be a whole, healthy, present human being. That That's the most important thing I can do, especially as a mother.
0: What you've just said there is, is one of my absolute core beliefs at this point in my life. And I'm not yet a parent, although Kylie and I are talking about it a lot, and I sincerely hope it's on the cards for us. But I just, e- even with that, I, and as you say, even just thinking about children, I'm like, do I want to do this to a person? Do I want to bring someone into this world? But but I also am like, but this is hope. This is being human. This is what it is. It's like, I I believe that we are capable of infinite transformation and that the infinite transformation happens when I transform. It's that, that Rumi said it beautifully and I can't remember it well enough, but I will find a link to it. But he's basically is like, once I was something. So I wanted to change the world. Now I'm wise. So I change myself. And I don't know what the beginning is, but something like that.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I, I realized the most important thing I can do is raise my children in love. It's that simple. The most important thing I can do is raise my children in love. And if they have that foundation of love, which I was lucky enough to be given by my parents and grandparents, even some great grandparents. (laughs) Maybe they'll be the ones who save the world. You know, they, we we increase the capacity of humanity to change the course we're on by raising our children in love.
0: Well, Sean Zimmer, I don't know if you've heard of him, but he was on the podcast a few episodes ago. Sean the Viking Zimmer is a lovely Canadian man who really stepped into... He said something so sweet, which I thought was so lovely. Is like He basically was like, when the lockdowns happened, he just ignored it at first because he was like, ah, people won't. This is ridiculous. No one's going to listen to this. And then like raised his head six months later and was like, uh-oh, people are really listening. This is really bad. And and he said he was sad that he didn't have a shop that he could keep open so that he could show, like, look, you can. And so instead he opened his backyard, which was very publicly visible and, and started like a, a fitness. That's what he does, health fitness and and wonderful stuff. And and anyway, in that conversation, he mentioned the the like 90-10 rule, although I've also heard it said as 90-20 before, but 80-20, but, but he basically said 90%, 10% of the time, focus on the problem, focus on what's fucked up, what's bad, what all the terrible things happening. And then the rest of your time, really, really, really give that energy to living the beautiful life, to solutions, to what can I do? And I think that really is like a relief in a way. It's like, okay, I know what's happening out there. Now, what am I doing here now in this moment? What am I doing?
1: Yeah, so that makes me think so much about, so, so much of why society, <laughs> the fabric of society is coming apart at seems at least in the States here, is this major focus on dismantling, um, tear down, rip apart, you know, and it's like, no wonder everything is shit because all these people are doing are looking at the problems, which are valid. They're valid and like let burn it all down. Right. These are like major themes in, in the rhetoric, in the public conversation and have been for years now. And it's like, mm-mm. that that we've seen now that that gets us nowhere. Obviously they're not paying attention to that because they feel extremely self-righteous in their beliefs that it needs to be dismantled and burned down. But It just has become so, so clear to me lately that I'm done screaming about what's not working and ready to just focus on building what will work and the kind of life that I want for myself, my children, and everyone I love and everyone in the world. It's that Buckminster Fuller quote. There just needs to be like this podcast recording Software that you use, there just needs to be like a little search bar where you put in someone's name on. You know, it's like, here's the quote you're looking for. But it's like, you know, you ha- it's, it's basically what we're talking about. Like, don't waste your time trying to change something from within. Build the beautiful new thing and people will go to that.
0: Yes, exactly. I will. So the beauty of this is I will put as many of these into the show notes as I can. So the, <laughs> some person listening doesn't have the same experience that we're having. of like, what's that quote again? Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I thank you for saying that. I mean, that to me is why I started this podcast is actually what we are, we are already free came from was that when I first started talking about this whole lockdowns and everything in the early days and got that blast of polarization and how dare you, you're killing grandma. Uh, all that kind of stuff. And then I was like, okay, no, I don't want to do this. I went quiet. And then I still felt this upwelling of truth speaking. I I have things to say, they feel important. And then I started writing long form poems for the first time in my life. And, uh, And one of those poems was We Are Already Free. And that's kind of what kicked us all off. So it really is like, how do we generate the energy internally and then focus on what we can do and do that on a daily basis? And actually just kind of a bit of a segue, but not too much is... I wanted to ask you because you're obviously herbs is your is your thing it's one of your big things and I'm curious around if if you have a favorite or a few favorites that you could speak to that are good for challenging times that are basically good for resourcing the body and the spirit in challenging times to support us that we can develop relationships with with these these medicines these plants these herbs Uh, what comes to mind for you with that?
1: Well, honestly, the first thing that comes to mind is that it's going to be different for everyone. And I've, I've kind of stepped away from thinking of plants in, in that way, like, tell us one plant that will help everyone do this or that. And because the truth is what, what is best for these times as far as herbalism and plants is cultivating a relationship with the earth. That is what is going to uh, calm your nervous system, deeply resource you. And, and doing that as well, you, you will get the message of exactly which plants you need to be working with. Um, my teacher, Cami McBride talks about this a lot. So my most recent podcast episode, uh, 96 of Medicine Stories with Kami is all about this. It's all, it's called Apprentice Yourself to the Earth. And I, it's, there's this, when you first get interested in herbalism, you're like, okay, what's this plant good for? What's this plant good for? This is my ailment. What are the list of plants that are going to help me with this ailment? And I love people talk about like you, you don't go up to a person, you don't meet a person and say, oh, nice to meet you, Nathan. What are you good for? Um, but we do that with plants. And, and so sort of the, it's like this whole, and so that's how I was for years and years, you know, and it's been this major mind shift for me to kind of step away from that because I almost don't even use plants like that anymore either. You know, I just, my relationship with them now is more like, these are my friends. These are the beings on the earth that my ancestors co-evolved with. And it's like, I hardly ever even take herbal medicine. And a lot of herbalists get to that point too. Um, and obviously not completely. I, I use plants. Every day, but not like, oh gosh, this is my problem. I better buy this tincture for it. It's like using the nourishing um, teas and oils. So for me, herbal body oily, and I'm going to segue into this answer now because it's the nervous system. So we can take the fats internally, and we should, but also rubbing fats externally onto our skin just does wonders for our nervous system, helps move us out of that sympathetic fight or flight. And when you make it a regular practice, herbal body oiling, it changes your life. It changes your life. You're more calm all the time. Um, and of course, you can also use it acutely, like you're spun out, go ahead and, and oil yourself. You can do little spot treatments for you know the neck or the feet, of course, are wonderful. Or you can do a full body oil or put some oils in the bath with you. It's I've been talking about this for 15 years now, and I, I don't know anybody who's like, I tried it and nothing happened. You know, everyone's like, oh my God, why didn't we all grow up doing this? Because you feel it, you feel it right away. So herbal body oiling is the main way I use herbs. When you think about herbalism, most people think about taking it internally, a tincture, a pill, a tea. Those are great and they have their place, but once you start connecting with the earth rubbing herbal oils on your body. It's sort of like the need for all those things goes away because you're not having as many acute issues anymore and your stress you really 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 de-stress, which of course is, you know, the foundation for most of the ailments we experience.
0: Well, you just I just had such full body. Do you call it goosebumps in America? Mhm. Yeah, yeah, just that that sense of I don't know. There's a connection there that feels really beautiful to me. There's something around anointing oneself and one's loved ones, and taking that time to just be like caressing and that sensuality of connection with with nature and with ourselves. I don't know. There's something in there that really connects with me. So thank you so much for sharing that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I like that you use that word anointing because there's there's the real physical, um, you know, fat into nerve cells. Healing that happens, nourishing that happens, but then it is like a sacred spiritual experience as well. Especially if you really make it one. You know, if you take time out and like lay a towel down or sit in your bathtub and put your hair up if you got as much hair as I do and and you used to. And we're so disconnected from our bodies. I know I, I tend to be very disconnected. It's part of that you know overperforming and the thousand tabs open in my brain thing. And so when I finally, oh my God, now I'm like, I got to go do this right away. Just to touch, like, how often do you touch every single square inch of your body? Never, never for me, unless I'm herbal body oiling. And then you also get to know your body really, really well. Like, um, years ago I, I was herbal body oiling and I found a hard lump under my armpit and I was like, Ooh oh, wow. And it hurt and it was red. And I, you know, I think I waited a day or two to see if it was going to resolve. And then I went to the emergency room and she was like, cause it was hurting. And the intake nurse was like, how long has it been there? And she was really concerned, you know, cancer. And I was like, three days. And she was like, are you sure? And I was like, I'm positive. It wasn't there four days ago because you know I was herbal body oiling. And, and so she was like, oh, okay. You know, and then her concern about it being cancer went away. And it turned out it had been, um, it was a staph infection from shaving, just, just a little nick and staph is like on the surface of all of our bodies at all times. And so it just went in and created an infection. But I was like, oh, that feels cool for me to be like, no, that's how well I know my body lady. It wasn't there four days ago. It was there three days ago. Um, and, but you know, that has, that can have profound health implications for, for people just being able to notice the subtle changes in your body day to day week to week. I mean I don't oil every day but you know there's probably some herbal oil hits my skin every day just not a full body cuz that's kind of a whole commitment.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's something in that with for me what we've been talking about it connects into this idea of personal sovereignty and being that being the change. Like how am I showing up for this world I want to live in and then how I'm, and I literally had it before. So I work with HAPE quite regularly. And it's been a big teacher for me, like a big medicine. And I still feel a bit trepidatious when I sit with it because it's such a powerful and intense experience. And what I noticed that it helps me with is that busy mind. So I sat down before this call and I sat with Happe, And immediately I noticed it. the medicine was asking me Every time my mind got so busy, I was just there and I realized it's not that it's getting busy. It's that that's the kind of default for me is the thousand tabs open in my mind. I'm just jumping. And because the hape, the tobacco, is so powerfully embodying and grounding, it, was, it just kept calling me in like, okay, can you, I get it. There's all the million things. Can you just take the next breath and feel what does this feel like? And then I would feel the energy moving down my arms and sinking me into my root. And I'm like, and then off my mind goes again. And then the medicine's like, okay, come back. Let's just root in again. And it's like wow, so so that experience of finding those practices that are embodiment practices is—I mean, I, I definitely want more of that. So I'm—I'm going to be oiling myself up for sure.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I stopped using happe, but the first time I—I I did use it. I was sitting for combo sessions, so it was you know someone else exhaling it into my nostrils. But the first second it hit. My whole, I, I just like dropped from my root, my whole pelvis relaxed in a way that I was like, oh my God, I've been holding that probably since like adolescence. And I was so grounded in my body in a way that I had never been for like the next 24 hours. <laughs> it was amazing. <laughs> so I can see how that would do that.
0: Well actually you've just said something about root and I and I would love to ask you I mean I know but you are the one who introduced this to me uh, the word radical could you talk th- to that word
1: Yeah yeah so um R A D I C L E radical but with a different spelling than we usually see it literally means root like the radical of a plant is the root of a plant and so it's the same root word <laughs> For for this word radical that we use now to mean outside the mainstream, weird, it's um, oh, the word I'm looking for? Like often bad, right? These these radicals and this, these radical beliefs, like home birth is radical. Um, choosing not to inject yourself with pharmaceuticals is radical. Eating organic foods is radical. And that's the, the opposite is actually the case because only in the most recent few generations have people birthed in hospitals surrounded by medical equipment and medical people who want to manage that birth in a certain way that goes against our deeply ancient mammalian biology. Um, Until a few generations ago, no one was injecting pharmaceuticals into their bodies. (laughs) People weren't even using pharmaceuticals in any way, let alone injection, which is a, you know, the body's going to react to something very differently if it's injected versus taken orally. And organic food is just food. Non-organic food is what's new and different. So these practices are not radical in any way, but they are radical R-A-D-I-C-L because they go back to the root of humanity. 99.999999999% of our ancestors birthed at home, ate organic food, and didn't put any pharmaceuticals into their bodies. Um, and I'm not like totally anti-pharmaceuticals at all times. Obviously they have their place, obviously. Like I, you know, I've taken antibiotics that have been very helpful and with tons of downstream consequences that are bad as well. But, um, (laughs) but my point is like, I I can hold nuance around, around things too. You know, C-sections have saved people's lives. Um, antibiotics have saved people's lives and the way that we use them indiscriminately and And think of them as the only option or as the default option is wrong. And they they're radical in the root sense of the word.
0: Yeah, exactly. I'm so grateful that you brought that to me. I've actually over the years, I've always loved words to just so I mean that's why I'm a lyricist. That's why I'm a wordsmith. It's it's been my lifelong passion. And at the same time, I didn't used to look into etymology as much as I do these days. So like anytime a word strikes me as powerful or as being used in an intense kind of way, I'll go back to even just recently, I looked up the word amen or amen. You know, this like, what is, and I, and it just simply means truth. Like the the root of the word is truth, so it's an acknowledgement of a, someone has spoken a truth. Amen, truth. Like, and that really touched something inside me. Of like, wow, I felt a loosening when I realised that. Of like, uh, because because con- controlled religion's been a bit of an intense one for me. But then realising, oh man, that's such a beautiful root.
1: <laughs> wow, yeah, it is. Thank you for telling me that. I love etymology. It's fascinating. There's there's such deep wisdom held in, in the roots of the words that we use.
0: Exactly. And it is, there's an empowerment in how, in how we language and how we word. And I've, I've heard this before that many indigenous languages, unfortunately, which so many of them have been lost, but that they often structure the entire way that they speak about reality differently. One of the examples being that one of the sad examples is that English, the word nature is defined in the Oxford English Dictionary as anything other than humans. I mean, if that isn't a mistaken way to define nature, I don't know. So, so there's these things where an indigenous language would, would never do something like that. It would never separate humans out from that which we are, which is nature.
1: Right. That's so interesting. I didn't know that was literally the definition. I'm, I'm obviously aware that most people think humans are above and outside of nature, but well, that's why. That's <laughs> literally the definition for our culture. That's, that's crazy.
0: That's pretty nuts. That's pretty wild. I actually wrote a song called Radical a while ago, which I'm, I don't know if I've sent, I think I may have sent it to you at some point, but I must send it again if not, because it was very much about that idea of, when I think of radical now, I think of that which rises from the root, that which comes up from the root, which is very rooted and grounded. It's a beautiful word. So thank you for that one.
1: Yeah. You should play that song at the end of this episode.
0: <laughs> You're absolutely right. I should. If I had my guitar, I've actually left my guitar. I, it's funny you say that. I have my guitar stand behind me, and as I was setting up, I thought, "Oh, my guitar's in the other cottage. I should go get that." And I and I it was just before we were on the call, and I didn't get it. So I'll definitely play it at the end of the episode anyway, and I'll send it to you as well.
1: All right,
0: thank you. <laughs> well, again, just um, thank you so much. It's I really, it's been one of those beautiful. Connections that's been now spanning a decade, and I just have always appreciated you and what I see of you sharing and So I just have a few little questions at the end, and really this is in support of the listener. Um, this particular question is around th- this idea of being a homesteader, or not just the idea but the practicality of being someone who lives in close relation with a piece of land within some kind of a community, with family, etc and if you had to think of maybe speaking to yourself. I don't know, 20 years ago, or speaking to someone who's just kind of going, I want to move in that direction. Is there anything that comes up for you to offer as insight or, or yeah, just something, a little gem for people?
1: Yeah, it'll it'll never be perfect. Like, you'll never be all the way there. I, I mean, I think some people do get all the way there, but I, I realized I never will. Like, we still for sure get most of our food from the grocery store. Um, and that, like that, doesn't feel like a failure to me. That's just like we're we're doing what we can. We're all really just trying to survive in our current current culture and the way things are set up, which means we all have to make money. Which, um, you know, is not always conducive to living like a homesteader or close to the land lifestyle. I think we all can have moments of connection with nature, including in the city. Um, oh, my recent interview with Asia Suler mirrors in the earth. I think anyone who's like, but I. I'm not in nature. I can't have that connection. I would, I would tell them to listen to that episode. Cause we talk a lot about urban living and nature connection, but I don't know. I mean, it was my dream, my dream 15, 16 years ago when my oldest was a baby to have some sort of homestead life. And then I had to completely let that go. And her dad and I split and I was like, okay, that's just not for me. And now here I am suddenly living it. And I, I didn't think it would happen. Um, So just don't give up. You don't have to do it all at once. Any little step towards greater nature connection and more vibrant health counts. It's hard. It's hard. Like it's a whole skill set that we didn't grow up learning. A challenging skill set you know, it's, it's big, it's really big. And clearly there are many, many, many thousands of people who have taught themselves these skills and I admire them greatly, but I've also realized it's, I, I'm not going to fully ever dive into that life. I'm one hand in the soil, one hand on the computer. and That's probably how, how most of us are, are going to be living, you know, who, who pursue that.
0: Thank you for that. I, I really appreciate I feel like your reflections throughout this conversation have been, I felt a sense of softening uh, in myself. And I I hope that that's also true for the listener because at least it's the medicine I certainly need in this time Is a sense of softening. It's like, it's okay to not be perfect. It's okay to just do my best on this moment in this day. It's okay. (laughs) So thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So just one last thing I love to ask all my guests, which is when I say or when you hear we are already free, what does that bring up for you?
1: I love that phrase. It's so beautiful. And it immediately hits me as truth. One thing that I think about, and I would love to articulate my thoughts on this better at some point, but human beings are so powerful. We are so powerful. The potential inside each of us, just the amount of energy that lives there, and then our super intelligent brains and this language capacity that we have, <laughs> these hands that can, that can do almost anything. It's, it's incredible that evolution has led to, to us, and not to say that we're the pinnacle or the peak or outside of nature in any way, but we have so much more potential than our current society leads us to believe or to express. And I just, I just want to like dedicate myself to reminding people of how deeply powerful they are. And like, what, what if we all really knew our innate power and dropped all the bullshit? What could happen? What could we create in this world? It's, it's just, it's mind blowing. It could be paradise. It could be absolute paradise. Like that, that is ultimate freedom is to claim our power. The other thing that I think about when I, when I hear that phrase is, um, Ely Weissel's book, Night, about his experience of being in the Holocaust, in a concentration camp and how he realized, so, I mean, that's like ultimate, um, constriction and imprisonment and like having, having your freedom taken away in the most extreme sense of the word. But what he realized in the depths of that is his body is starving and you know he he doesn't know if he has a future at all is that he was still in control of his thoughts he was still in control of his thoughts that they could not take his internal reality from him and um, so I would recommend that book to anyone who wants to dive deeper into that but when I read that in college it just blew my fucking mind you know what a profound realization that no matter what is imposed on on us no one can access our inner world and then when i couple that with the realization that we are incredibly powerful beings it gives me a lot of hope and excitement for the future
0: well thank you very much thank you so much it has been uh it's been a gift this conversation i have I feel energized. Like it was, we've explored so many beautiful things, and I feel like my intention before this, when I sat with Hape, was just asking for spirit and for the medicine to guide me in intuition, to just let it be intuitive. I, I'm I'm kind of tired of being in my mind, and so this conversation to me has felt very intuitive, flowing. So. Thank you for the flow and thank you for the work you're doing in the world. And just the final question is, where can people find you? Where would you like people to, to, to look you up?
1: Our, our website is mythicmedicine.love. So it's mythic, M-Y-T-H-I-C. A lot of people think it's mystic, but to me, those are such different words. I'm like, no, it's mythic. Um, and we have our herbal medicines that we make there. And my podcast is there. You can also find the podcast, you know, anywhere you find podcasts. It's called Medicine Stories. And I'm uh, Mythic Medicine on Instagram.
0: Thanks again, Amber. And I wish you all the blessings. I know you've got this big move coming up and navigating a lot of big changes. And thank you for for prioritizing this time with me and in service to all the beautiful people who listen to this episode. So thank you again. I wish you blessings to you and your family, and hope to connect again soon.
1: Thank you, Nathan.
0: Thank you again to Amber Magnolia Hill of Mythic Medicine. You can find links to her plus books, articles, quotes, and other things we covered in the show notes at alreadyfree.me forward slash 013. Even better, join the We Are Already Free community where you can chat with other listeners, comment on episodes, ask questions, and also find all the show notes with all the links there. So the link to that is, well, you've probably guessed it, alreadyfree.me forward slash 013. Now, the reason I think that it's so important to find community in this time is because we are community animals. And I know for myself, having now started a men's circle and been a part of other groups, that it just exponentially increases my transformation and my connection to the ways that I want to be in the world. It's so easy for me to even have a conversation like I just had with Amber and be so charged and so excited and then just fall back into the rut of my old patterns, my old limitations, my old stories. And what I'm finding is that by connecting in with a group of people on the same page as me who have the same desires and the same outcomes in mind, that it It literally makes it so much easier. And I actually heard recently that when humans learn together or when they're in groups like masterminds, et cetera, that we learn or we grow or transform five times faster than we do otherwise. So this space that I've created, that we are already free community, really is a space for people like us who are. Imagineering and birthing and becoming a new world where we are birthing ourselves as the most direct way to generate and to manifest a different reality. Because honestly, if I give, keep giving my energy to the news and the bad news and the social media and the algorithms and like, it's just devouring me because my attention, where I put my attention is what I know in the world. And so by having the space where I've started to offer breath work and I've got a morning practice challenge that can help you get started, as they say, those who win the morning win the day, I, I really believe that. You know, how we spend each day is how we end up spending our lives and how I spend the morning. That's how I generally spend the day. So I've got that as a course within the community. There's the commenting, interacting with the other listeners of this podcast. It's really for you if you're ready to get active instead of just being passive, which and I'm not saying that's a bad thing. It's great to listen and feel inspired. And I guess my question is, how is that impacting how you show up in your day to day? day-to-day life if it is if you're fully activated and you're like oh my god it's everything's happening and moving and shaking fantastic if you're like me and you feel like you want a little support a little connection community a space where you don't have to stress about the freaking algorithms or the blocking or the just that messy noisiness that is really constantly coming at us out there on social media and out there in the world the already the we are already free community is definitely a place that is about that so yeah, check it out. It's in the show notes already, free.me forward slash zero one three. And other than that, I'm just really grateful to be on this journey with you. If you're still listening, then you are probably one of, I don't know, not a huge percentage of people who get this far. So well done to you and thank you. Thank you for your dedication, for being a part of it. It means so much. And uh, please make sure to leave a review and follow and share. Uh, this This podcast grows as quickly as it is shared by people like you. You are the one who has the the control over how far this goes. And I personally cannot imagine anything better than a million, 10 million, a hundred million people listening to this podcast and the effect that that would have on the world that we live in. Oh my gosh, let's make it happen. All right. I will see you again next week. I wish you well. I wish you good rest. I wish you good love and good connection and nature and music and just the remembrance that you are that which you have been seeking and you are beautiful and I am so grateful to be on this path with you. I'll see you next week and thank you. Much love. I nearly forgot. I promised to share the song Radical. So here it is. Uh, Just so you know, there is some serious swearing in this song. If you don't want to hear that, I suggest hitting stop right now. Otherwise, enjoy Radical. We who raise our roar and rise from the root.
2: doesn't matter what you say or do I already feel the truth Blossoming real deep inside of me The radical is bearing fruit So I say this with all love to you Fuck you if you think I'll uproot myself Just to play a part in your living hell Fuck you if you think I'll sink in